Hey, everybody, coming up on the show today, we are going to be talking about perception. Does your perception of the world get in the way of your relationships? Do you find yourself falling into faulty thinking or stinking thinking instead of evaluating your conflicts fairly? If so, what can you do to get past distorted thinking and really solve the problems with the people you love? Solutions and much more coming up on the Matt Townsend Show right after the news with Sam McCall. This is Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Just a day after the acting IRS director stepped down in the midst of a scandal, President Obama has appointed a new acting chief and says he will do his best to keep the IRS from unfairly targeting any other groups based on political persuasion. Even with the president's promise, Tea Party groups who were the targets of IRS discrimination are rallying against him once again. Former Republican presidential candidate Michelle Bachman is raising concerns about future bias when the IRS takes over the new health care reforms. The Justice Department has lost track of several known or suspected terrorists after their names were not correctly placed on do-not-fly lists. The suspects were in the witness security program, and their disappearance shows potential issues concerning national security. Hail the size of softballs accompanied deadly tornadoes which tore through parts of Texas last night. At least six people lost their lives and dozens more were wounded due to the storms. Maryland's Governor Chris O'Malley has signed a new tough gun control measure into law, even as opponents vow to overturn it. The legislation requires handgun buyers to undergo safety training and submit fingerprints in order to purchase their firearm. Non-finishers from the Boston Marathon who were forced to quit before the end due to the tragic bombing have been invited back to rerun the race next year. More than 5,700 people will be offered a second chance to cross the finish line. In world news, as the Syrian civil war rages on, President Obama says he's reserving the right to resort to both military and diplomatic means to help end the conflict. U.S. and Russian diplomats are currently working to coordinate a peace conference between the rebels and the Syrian regime. British native and legendary soccer player David Beckham is calling it quits after this season. Beckham said in a statement today he wants to retire while he's still playing at the highest level. That's the news to the top of the hour. For BYU Radio, I'm Sam McCall. Good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your guide on the side, your relationship coach. We do what we can on this program to give you some tools, a leg up. Today, we're going to be doing some surgery on your old brain, on your thinker, on the gray matter. We're going to be giving you some tools to hopefully work on how you perceive the world. You know, have you ever noticed that how you see the world impacts what you do with it. Do you see this crazy ball of mud as just a major trial, tons of horrible experiences to eventually, I guess, stiffen your back and make you strong? Or is it here to break you down into a tiny piece of dust until you just can't take it anymore? You know, because if if you're just here to be dusted, then maybe you're going to approach life completely differently. Or do you see that uh, every little thing you learn is additive? It's You're learning. You're becoming better. What do you see? How do you see your life? And what do you think you actually see? Isn't it interesting that um, very little of our life we actually know or understand? 
For example, I was just driving here on BYU campus and got stuck in a horrendous little traffic jam because apparently they've been announcing that they're shutting down these roads forever throughout campus. Well, little old Matt didn't know anything about that. So I was stuck on the other side of campus trying to figure out how to get to the building we're in. And nobody told me that they were shutting down the road. My bad. Yeah. Now, but I was thinking this was going to be a great day. And then all of a sudden, I'm stuck in traffic. It's all been soured. Soured. My day is ruined because somebody, notice, not me, somebody outside of my brain didn't inform me that the traffic flow through the center of the university would be shut down. Messed up. Whose fault is that? My bad. Yes, Rob, it is your fault. Then I found out, after doing a little search on my phone device, that they've been sending messages. Oh, you have that series of emails too. Yes, and maps. They have maps of the roads they're shutting down and dates and times that they're shutting them down. And? And I've had them for months, I guess. Do you know when the road's going to reopen? No. Never! Oh, for real? Yeah, they closed it forever. Oh, see, I haven't read it that much. (laughs) Is it really closed forever? On that uh, one stretch in the center of campus. That's good to know. They don't want students crossing the street. They don't want people getting hit. So they got rid of the problem. They just got rid of the street. And then... (sighs) A few months ago, they added a bridge so that students wouldn't have to cross the street. And now they're getting rid of the street that the bridge goes over. Oh, that makes sense. Right? Tuition yeah. at work. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. Tuition working for you. Uh, but the thing about it is I was actually mad that I didn't know. And I'm thinking, why don't they say these things? They should let people know before you're driving right into the middle of it. And then come to find out I did know. But I didn't know. How could I have it on my phone but not know? Hello? My phone is my communication device. Apparently, I don't listen or read. Hmm? That's what we're talking about today. We're talking about how you're thinking or what you actually perceive is happening. Most of the time, it's, it's flawed. But here's the crazy thing. You feel confident. This is what makes it so difficult. How come we all feel so confident flying through space on a big ball of mud? Because there are so many things that could go wrong. Have you guys thought this through? There's a lot that I, could go I wrong. I actually have. Doesn't it freak you out? Matt's absolutely right. There's we could a, die tomorrow. We could die this second. And we could have no idea that it's about to happen. Which is the way I'd want to go. Right? That's ignorance I, Like, I don't want that. That's the one thing. I, I don't want to get that email. Hey, tomorrow we're turning off oxygen on the earth. Ah, oh, jeez. Where am I going to get oxygen? Well, it's even harder if you haven't read your emails. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the best way to go. If you're going to go, you don't want to know they're shutting down oxygen, right? Boom. I read a really interesting article about what would happen on this earth if we had like 5% less oxygen. And it's pretty fascinating. You know that the earth would fall apart. We'd all be in trouble. Bugs would be like 50 feet tall. Why would they be big? I don't know. I guess the I guess like the pressure of the atmosphere on a bug would be different, and they'd grow up more. I guess that would that's legit. You'd assume you'd be bigger too, right? Well, and if maybe. you're bigger, tell me the problems that would create with your wardrobe. I'd have to buy all new stuff. Yeah, where would you sleep? I guess you'd curl around your house. <laughs> Just lie down in a pile of giant bugs. <laughs> Messed up. But that's the funny thing about today's topic is we feel confident and we are clueless.
It's a little brain trick. It's our perspective, our twisted thinking. And our twisted thinking makes us actually feel like we have control in our lives. <laughs> so we're going to be talking to our expert today, and he is going to teach us. His name is Dr. Wally Goddard. I'm making it more like um, catastrophic than I think the subject is. But again, my day was ruined because of the drive. Um, but what I do, what we are going to talk about is like when you walk in and uh, something happens to you. Okay, here's an example. I'm driving to work today. La, 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 la. Before I got to campus and then got boxed out. Um, driving to work, a guy passes me on the left in the, um, what's it called? The carpool lane. I'm going 72 miles an hour. He's in the carpool lane on the left. Cuts across two white lines, breaking the law. Which you can't do. Can't no. do that. He must be going faster than me because I am going 72 and he passes me. Cuts across right in front of me. Misses my bumper by a foot. For some reason, I start hating him. Don't even know the guy. Hate his guts. Suddenly, he is the worst person. He is the worst driver I've ever seen. I'm pretty sure he is a drug addict. <laughs> Never met him. Don't like him. And convinced I don't like him. By the and way, never will. Never will. Never will or his kind, whatever the kind he is. I don't even know who he is. I don't know what he is. I don't know anything about the dude. I don't even know if it's a dude. Yeah, yeah, there's the key. Um, and I know nothing about him. I'm having all of these feelings. I know, and, and then he cuts across four lanes of traffic and exits the freeway. Didn't signal once. What's that called? Um, uh, rude. <laughs> I'm not even going to let you answer. It's rude. Rude. Why else would somebody do that? Uh, I might know why. Is this you, Rob? Was that no, you? No, it wasn't me. But it I was think a blue I, but... Honda. Blue Honda. It was a ding me. in the back left door. It wasn't me, but I, I have. Uh... What? What so, are you going to say? So you're cruising along the carpool lane, trying to keep moving along, yeah. and and you can't go forward because there's cars in front of you that are, are keeping your speed down around seventy. And the gap to be able to exit the carpool lane where the little broken line is, yeah. there was this Honda Accord driven by a guy who looks like Steve Carell. Really? Who just paces you. doesn't pay attention Good to the Good looking guy. Yeah. So you're trying, to, you're trying to get ahead of him so you can get, oh, I can't yeah. get the car in front of me. And yeah. You, 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 you back off a little bit. Well, the traffic behind you is not letting you. And you lose your gap. But you have to get off at this next off ramp. No, you don't. So you give Unless it a little more your gas drug and you finally is. say, that's it. I've got to get past this guy. No. I can't understand why he is Rob. being so – how he can be so oblivious to somebody who wanted to change lanes. Rob. And to really make sure to communicate the message to this guy who looks like Steve Carell who's <laughs> hogging and only going 70 miles an hour and not letting people merge. Uh, texting. You <laughs> kind of cut it a little close to get his attention so he can pay attention. But then at that oh. point, your exit's right there, so you just got to go for it. Just okay. take all four lanes at once. And Rob, was that your family member? It was no, your family actually, my family members are very kind. I don't know where I got So we my, break uh, laws. Here's what we know about this guy. Nothing. He drives a car. It's a blue Honda. Can't remember what it's called. It's a shiny blue Honda. It wasn't me. <laughs> With a ding this in time. the back door. I don't know anything about him, but here's the deal. I do know I don't like him, and I do know he's a drug addict. And are, you, are you certain about that last Oh, part? for sure. And okay. again, I keep assuming it's a he. Now, here's the deal. And by the way, he, he ran two or three other people off the road, basically. So it wasn't just me, Robert. Sheesh. See, you're now protecting. That's your bias. You have a bias to protect horrible drug addicts when they drive crazy on the freeway. 
I have a bias to put him in jail. Do you know what gave me my bias against you? What? That I work with you. No. Uh, oh, that's good. You said you were going 72 miles an hour yep. in the lane next to the carpool lane. Yeah. Don't do that. Well, how fast Just, am I supposed to go in that lane? It's already seven uh, miles You go as fast as over. the cars behind you are wanting to go. No, this so, car's in so, the left lane. He's yeah, not but, even behind me. But but either way, the, the, the carpool lane is not open to everybody. So, so you got to get out of the fast lane. No, but I'm going faster over. than everybody except the guy that's speeding by me in the left lane. Hmm. See, you're biased. This is your problem. Well, if you said you were going 80 miles an hour in the fast lane, then you can't go point, 80. You'll get a ticket. I'd be like, oh, you'd, you'd been there, do done that. that. Here's the deal. Everybody out there in listener land, let's ask you some questions now about my little example. Is the person in the car male or female? In your gut, male or female? Who would cut across two white lines and four lanes of traffic on a freeway, missing a car by a foot? Male or female? What do you think, BT? Go with your gut. I'm going to go with probably male. Okay. Merit? I'm going to have to go with male as well. Okay. You're both rude (laughs) and biased. I don't know. Maybe a male. I never saw. He moves (laughs) like the wind. Um, Drug addict or not? Definitely. 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 (laughs) Absolutely. And he's going to get drugs. Based on, as we all know, um, you only drug addicts. Yeah, go only like those That's addicted right. to illicit substances. Yeah, or people any or people, change all right. four lanes. Change right. three, no. no exactly. Change five, still no. You know four, that's, that's it. That's, that's part the key. of their. It's part of their mo. It just happened. Some reason. That's the bias. And I'm going to vote no drugs, but yes to really loud '80s hair metal. Wow, you're totally biased. Um, so we've decided it's a male, right? Um. No, you're wrong. It was a female. Okay? It was a woman. I'm making this up as I go. Now, I got another question for you. Blonde or brunette? Female, driving, cutting people off, blonde or brunette? Let's go blonde. Merit? A brunette with straight hair. Okay, Merit is a curly-haired blonde, so she's obviously going to go the other direction. She takes umbrage with... (laughs) With being blonde or in the very least having hair similar. Do you see our bias? I see that bias. It's huge. We've all, and by the way, everybody out there in listener land, in our gut, we all kind of have an idea. And some of us think it's logical because logically men would drive like that because men are more aggressive. And risky and dangerous. But there are people out there that are, no, women drive like that. That's how women drive. Now, but here's the deal. We are in Utah. So if it's a female, I'm going to bet it's a mom. Because in Utah, there's a billion kids here. And she, let's just say she was driving a van. That explain why she's in the carpool lane. Is she a drug addict? We still don't know. <laughs> we know. If it's a female in a van, she's not a drug addict. Hello? She's obviously a mother with a baby choking on a nugget in the back seat of her car. And she has to exit to get the nugget out of her baby's esophagus. That's a good reason. I mean... If you want a good reason, there's one. Do you see the bias? So we can make it whatever we want. And her name is Stacy. It's all good. It's all good. We can make it whatever we want. With an I-E or a Y? Let's go I-E. Kind of eccentric. Well, that's completely forgivable now. See, the funny thing is, it doesn't matter. That's what's so great about our perception. It doesn't matter. Whatever you want it to be. And let's say she had a snow cone in her left hand. Boom! With a baby choking on a nugget. And a left-handed snow cone without any topping on it. Just the ice. Just ice. Just a little icy. Without to- a toppingless icy. 
some ice to chew mm-hmm. on. And she's like, and she's chewing on her ice. She doesn't even notice her baby's blue, choking on a nugget. The minute she does, four lanes of traffic. What's sad about this r- ridiculous example is it actually sounds quite <laughs> accurate. <laughs> it only sounds accurate in your biased brain because she didn't have a snow cone. It was a Diet Coke. See? I tricked you, Rob. Ha! Okay. So we're talking about it. Now, here we sit in a world and a country where all of our political process is so filled with bias. And I'm tired of it. Oh, here's uh, some little reminders. Yes. The billboard from two years ago. The slide is some freeway. I think it's down in Arizona. Impeach Obama. Right? <laughs> this is two yeah, years ago. Impeach him. You go back five more years. Here's a billboard mounted to a truck parked on the side of the road somewhere else in the country. Impeach Bush slash Cheney. Yeah, but okay. Hold it. He needs to be impeached for real. This is why we're going to get into our bias. We all are so biased that, and and we're going to have an expert come in and show how your brain's going to make anything happen you want to happen. If you want to believe that Obama's messing with everybody's IRS documents now, guess what? Plenty of data. Just check your last IRS you know, report or whatever they call it, your taxes. Check it. He's watching. Sit there, feel your blood pressure as I say the following name. See which one makes it jump. Okay. Scooter Libby. Mm. Eric Holder. Mm. Who else we got here? They're all jumping. Jack Abramoff. Benghazi. Benghazi. WMDs. Solyndra. <laughs> Valerie Plame. The IRS uh, going after Tea Party groups. My head Warrantless hurts. surveillance. See, it's just, you know what? There's outrage on both sides. You know, See, but a, we're biased, and it wouldn't yeah. matter. So if you're out against Obama, it doesn't matter. You're going to find the data every day to, to be mad at Obama or Bush. So, so not to go political, we could go back to Stacey, the left-handed uh, Diet Coke beverage drinker that's ignoring her choking child in the backseat. Or we could just pretend like the guy's just some drug addict that we don't even know. It doesn't matter because either way, whatever we interpret creates our feelings and then our feelings are justified and then I can hate people and I can be mad at the world and think everyone's against me. We do that all day long with our family, with our kids. Why would your child come home late? Why would he? He knows you need to go to bed. Why would he come home late? Because the kid just knows that you have a hard week and just thought, you know what, I'm just going to make mom's week even worse. Yes. Considerate little brat. Have you called my wife and talked to her? But that's, I mean, it's, that's what we think. And we don't notice the other 98% of the days he's home perfectly on time. We don't notice that. Totally gets ignored. We're only biased to look for the days he's not home. And then we crush him. My son was in a choir thing last night, and I'm watching everybody in the choir. Everybody in the choir had their sleeves rolled up, but my son. And in my head, I'm like, oh, I'd say it's cold, blah. but it's May. <laughs> Roll your sleeves up, boy. Why are you the only one with your sleeves not rolled up? He's like, I, I didn't know we were rolling our sleeves up. Then they'd get on their, their other outfit. He's the only one with his, like, vest, cummerbund thing poking out. <laughs> Pull your vest, cummerbund thing down. Why are you the only one not pulling your vest, cummerbund thing down? You know why? Because I'm watching for it. <laughs> there were 20 other guys on there that didn't have their vest, cummerbund thing fitting right. But I just noticed mine. Oh, I'm going to get him. <sighs> you guys notice I have some energy today? Passion. We'll call passion. it passion. That's what happens when you get stuck in traffic that you knew about but you didn't know about because you don't read no, your no. emails. It's traffic you should have known about. That should have known about. I don't like That's that word. Should have. I yeah. 
But from now on, you guys need to tell me when I need to know something that I don't know but I should know. Next summer, they're going to close another section of that road. And then the summer after that, all of it will be permanently closed. Done. So two years in advance, you know. I'll forget that. I won't remember it. Will you guys daily call me? Because I need to remember these things. We're going to take a break. When we come back, our own Bryce Tobin is going to give us his thoughts about our perception versus reality world. And uh, we're also going to get in with Dr. Wally Goddard, an expert in family and relationships. And he's going to teach us how our, our thinking might be a little twisted and maybe impacting our relationships. We'll be back. This is the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Find out how a new invention turbocharges solar cells. Coming up next. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories of revolutionary ideas, emerging technologies, and the people behind the concepts that shape the future. Why isn't everything running off of solar cells yet? Well, up until now, solar cells were inefficient, brittle, and needed to face the sun as much as they can. All of that might have just become history based on a recent development from scientists at Princeton University. The breakthrough involves a word you're going to hear more and more about, plasmonics. In this case, it's about how light interacts with nanotech structures smaller than a light wave. Solar cells are a sandwich of layers. Princeton's team deleted a brittle, expensive layer and added a layer that's a grid of metal and flexible plastic. When light enters, it becomes trapped and can't be reflected away. 96% of it gets absorbed. It works even better if the solar cell is angled to the sun, but you can do away with expensive motors to keep tracking the sun and put the cells up any way you like. At nearly triple the efficiency and lower cost, it can be printed like sheets of wallpaper and can be bent and formed into angles and curves to better fit any surface. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Visit us online at innovationnow.us. BYU baseball, football, basketball, soccer, and volleyball. Live games on BYU Radio and BYU TV. To get your business involved as a sponsor of Cougar Sports, email corporate support at byu.edu. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Again, we mean no harm to the nugget-eating mothers or the, the, the people who let their children choke on nuggets in the backseat of cars. We love you. We mean no harm. That was, just, we, that was an illustration that I just did. I'm just trying to prevent any An exaggeration to make a point. Exaggeration not. Fact. So uh, Bryce has his own little um, warped perception issue, that, uh, and it's a really interesting point, and he's just dying to share it with us. Look, I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but I'm about to rant. This is the Bryce is Right. I have successfully avoided jury duty twice. Everyone will tell you their tips and tricks for getting out of it, but I don't deal in tips and tricks. I give you science to work with. Whenever they do the little interview process that I call the crazy filter, all you need to do is let them know that you put no stock or credence in eyewitness testimony. You'll be sent home in no time. Now, you might have a little morality crisis because as much as you don't want to be stuck with jury duty, you also don't want to be a liar. But I won't leave you hanging. I will rid you of any feelings of dishonesty. You've got a good comprehension of the real world, right? Like you've experienced enough throughout your life that you think you have a good handle on reality? You don't. Stop thinking that because it's wrong. 
Let's break this down by senses. Touch is pretty reliable, right? No. First off, there's a threshold for smoothness, a point at which two things will feel just as smooth even though one is far smoother than the other. What about cold and hot? Yeah, these aren't real concepts. It's just something our brains have made up. What about hearing? This one would be pretty good, but there's lots of frequencies we can't hear, noises have to be loud enough to register, and there are sounds that are loud enough to damage or ruin our hearing. Taste? That's 100% invented by our brain. But then there's sight. This one's the best, right? No, in fact, it's probably the worst. Color is very much like taste, totally made up by our brain. Red and blue don't exist in reality. Things get blurry if they're too far away. There's all kinds of light bouncing around the universe, and visible light only makes up about 1.5% of that light. And let me be clear, that is a number achieved by rounding up a lot. So what you're looking at right now, you're only seeing 1.5% of it. And at 1.5, I think it's safe to say, whatever it is, that's not really what it looks like. Then there's smell. Just like taste and color, this is 100% made up by our brain. But I'm not stopping there. One of my favorite experiments on perception involved smell. Now, most people like Parmesan cheese. It can have a rather pungent odor, and I don't think anyone will disagree with that. And vomit has its own particular and unpleasant smell. But they both smell nothing alike, right? This one experiment blindfolded participants and had them smell things. And guess what? Long story short, people couldn't tell the difference between barf and Parmesan cheese. Yet somehow when we see a block of Parmesan, none of us are taken back to that fateful night spent sleeping on the cold linoleum of the bathroom floor because we had the flu. This brought up two important ideas. The first is that our senses are unreliable. The second is that our unreliable senses often play off of each other. It's unreliability squared. So now that I've established that we're all pretty clueless about reality, what about the little worlds inside our heads? Facts are facts, and you can believe facts, right? Well, let me tell you a story about cognitive dissonance. The primary study for cognitive dissonance comes from Leon Festinger. When he and his research assistants infiltrated a group of people who were waiting for aliens to come and take them away from this world, I don't really know the details on that part, but it's supposed to be something weird. This group was rather private and very focused on getting ready for the end. They had a date set for the arrival, and as usual, when it was time, nothing happened. Now let's step back and look at the facts. There's a group. They believe aliens are coming to take the believers away. If this is indeed really the case, at that time, the believers will be taken away, and their veracity will be vindicated. And when nothing happened, you think people in the groups would connect the dots and realize, oh, looks like it wasn't real. Well, we were wrong. Let's all go back home. This didn't happen. In fact, the opposite happened. People believed more. The attitude of the group changed as well. They started preaching publicly. They managed to gather even more members, even though all the evidence said something wasn't quite right. This is cognitive dissonance. If you want an example that's closer to home, think about a relationship that had a bad breakup. Once it was all said and done, you feel nothing but disdain for the other person, don't you? And it's not just disdain for the immediate memories. Suddenly all of those romantic memories that occupy the last six months now have a bitter flavor. Why do you feel this way? Those were pleasant memories a few days ago. They didn't change. We're still not exactly sure why our brains do this. Maybe it comes from having such an aversion to being wrong that we bend our perception of reality so we're right again. I don't know, but the fact of the matter is, we can't trust each other because we only comprehend the world through our own sickeningly biased perception. Whether it's through unreliable senses or cognitive dissonance making us think we were right all along, even though we were wrong, we ignore contrary data. And sometimes, that's the stuff we really need to be paying attention to. All right, I'm out. And remember, don't forget to be awesome. He's a, you're a great teacher. You're you you just ruined Parmesan cheese for me. Didn't forever. I though? Didn't I? I will never eat Parmesan cheese. No, you'll look at it and you'll think, is this really like bar? And then you're gonna but slowly it bring it to your like nose it. and you're gonna sniff it and you're like, don't ever smell it. Don't run away. No, I think that's we don't have very much Parmesan at our house. I think it's when my wife was pregnant. 
we swore off of it. Like, no, not going to do it. Yeah. That's good stuff. See, that's why our relationships get messed up because we're so confident even though we're so kind of not clued in. Yeah, everyone's like, I know what's up. I know. I, I know. know. I get it. I, I know what's going on. And even if it's not, clue. it's going to happen. Clue. That's right. Good stuff. You're good. I wonder if I'm biased with that. You might be. I bet. Because I, by the way, you just ruined two of my favorite colors too, red and blue. Yeah, sorry. Don't even exist. They're not real. Man, this has been a big day. Road closed, almost got killed, Parmesan smells like puke, and red and blue don't exist. Even Well, not just red, or the rest of them don't either. The spectrum, Sorry, right. none of them do. Whatever. Well, that's why we need Wally Goddard, because he's going to bring some peace and goodness back to this world. <laughs> Wally Goddard's going to be joining us. Uh, he's a professor from Family Life for the uh, University of Arkansas Cooperative Extension. He's going to teach us about how, you know, we can kind of uh, start noticing our distorted thinking. And he's going to teach us some wonderful principles of getting our hearts right in our relationships and our arguments. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be back with Dr. Wally Goddard right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Could we all be so lucky as to have an important day today, something really important happen? I like to think that every day has that opportunity for us. And the best way to start your important day is by joining Marcus Smith for some uplifting conversation on The Morning Show. Tune in daily at 9 a.m. Eastern, only here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Talk about good. This is Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. President Obama has chosen a new acting IRS chief just a day after the job was vacated in the midst of a scandal. The president says he will do everything in his power to stop unfair discrimination by the IRS. Even with the president's promise, Tea Party groups who were the targets of IRS discrimination are rallying against him once again. Former Republican presidential candidate Michelle Bachman is raising concerns about future bias when the IRS takes over the new health care reforms. Several suspected or known terrorists who were in the witness security program have gone missing after the Department of Justice failed to properly put their names on do-not-fly lists. The mistake highlights some potential issues with the national security protocols. Hail the size of softballs accompanied deadly tornadoes which tore through parts of Texas last night. At least six people lost their lives and dozens more were wounded due to the storms. Maryland is getting harsh new gun control laws requiring handgun buyers to undergo safety training and provide fingerprints before they are allowed to purchase a firearm. Opponents to the legislation are already vowing to overturn the new law. Over 5,700 runners who were not able to finish the Boston Marathon due to the tragic bombing are being invited back to finish the race next year. Praise for the decision has spread broadly via social media. In world news, as the Syrian civil war rages on, President Obama says he is reserving the right to resort to both military and diplomatic means to help end the conflict. U.S. and Russian diplomats are currently working to coordinate a peace conference between the rebels and the Syrian regime. British native and legendary soccer player David Beckham is calling it quits after this season. Beckham said in a statement today he wants to retire while he's still playing at the highest level. That's the news to half past the hour. For BYU Radio, I'm Sam McCall.
Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we are talking about your twisted thinking. And that just is a rude way to say that, hey, we've all got perception errors. We've all got a little distorted thinking. And it ends up impacting our conflict with our relationships. It ends up impacting how we even see the world. Like, have you ever just made a mistake in life and then you just thought, you know, it's over. My life's over. Do you remember in high school, maybe you got a bad grade, you didn't make a team, and you were sure, I'm done. I will never see the light or see the light again. That's just a little distortion. And we're, we've asked our good friend and a man that if there's any man on earth that I seriously respect, and I always praise him, and he I, he's so humble, I'm sure he doesn't like it. But Dr. Wally Goddard is joining us. He's a professor of family life for the University of Arkansas Cooperative Extension Service. He's also um, an author of many books. Uh, one of them that's a beautiful one is called Drawing Heaven into Your Marriage, Soft-Spoken Parenting, which he's a model of, and Between Parent and Child. He's also um, married to Nancy, and they've been married for 41 years, Thirteen or three children, 13 grandchildren, and they've cared for 20 foster children over their year, 20 or 41 years of marriage. Wally Goddard, welcome to the program, my friend. Hey, thanks, Matt. It's great to be with you. Or should I call you Dr. Townsend? Yes. Call me Dr. Uh, no, don't call me Dr. <laughs> Matt. Just call me, call me Rick. I'm going with Rick today. Rick? <laughs> I had a hard... Okay. I had, we, you didn't get to hear our intro, but I got stuck no. in some weird traffic. And, and then I even had a guy cut me off, Wally. And when he cut me off... Oh, boy. Oh, I had, he, you know what? I'm pretty sure he was a, he was a drug addict. I know I don't even know if it was a guy because he was moving so fast, but he cut me off, and I'm sure because my perception and perspective is right because I'm a doctor that he was a drug addict. Oh man! Anyway, then we found out, and he deserves to suffer. He deserves he really to suffer. He made me tortured. suffer. But then we actually found out it wasn't a drug addict. It was a female driving a minivan because her and her baby was choking with a nugget in his mouth. <laughs> See? Oh man! It's perception, all guessing, isn't huh? it? <laughs> you know that fits perfectly with what we're going to talk. I about know today, that's where it? we were going. Yeah. So, boy. so Wally, conflict. Okay, we've all got it. I mean, it's a big part of our lives. Yeah. But you yeah. don't have any, do you? <laughs> oh boy, I better not say on the radio. <laughs> I I think. You don't want Nancy. Is she listening? <laughs> well, Nancy actually is the least conflictual person I've ever known. Is she really? Oh, she's just an angel. Which just makes it so embarrassing when I'm looking for a fight. I know. So who do you fight with? Give me a good reason. So yeah. I just got to go out and pick on somebody else. That's what you just. That's why you just need. I don't know. Uh, you need like producers. Because when I <laughs> when I'm loving my wife, I just fight with my producers. Uh, there you go. It's They're a good, a good thing. target. They are darn it. But the, this perspective, and we're biased, is basically your premise, right? Each hu- every human has just inherent bias, kind of oh, yeah. built into their head. Yeah, and even, you know, upstream from that, I think where you started is, is, is the perfect place to start with, with conflict. I mean, you experienced it in traffic. Now, let's ask all the radio listeners uh, to raise your hand if you've ever experienced conflict in traffic or if you've ever experienced it in the last five minutes. I mean, it's just universal, <laughs> yeah, isn't it? Yeah, totally. Or how about the dinner table? Ugh. Any conflict there? Anybody, yeah. uh, any competing interests that cause people to act in ways that aren't quite consistent with their values? Right. I mean, it's just – in fact, I read a book years ago, Matt, that I thought was interesting, it, or, or Rick, depending on which one yeah, you call it. Yeah, let's go with Matt, <laughs> just so I remember who you're talking to. Uh, 
I read a book that said there never was a story written, a movie made, that didn't have at its heart conflict. Hmm. Because if there's no conflict, there's no story. It's people struggling, you know, whether it's, uh, whether it's Cain and Abel or the Hatfields and McCoys right. or Moses and Pharaoh. I mean, there's always a conflict right at the heart of it as people stri- try to figure out their conflicting needs yeah. and interests. It's true. Good and evil, rich and poor, the conflict. Oh, yeah. I mean, everything is this tension. And, and the heart of what, what we want to say about that in, with our new program is, is this, that um, we usually go right to knowledge and skills. We figure if we know enough and are skilled enough, we can handle any conflict. Hmm. And our argument is, no, there's, there's something missing in that formula, which I guess we'll get to later. But yeah. knowledge, you know, we, we read books, we uh, ask advice of people we respect, and then we practice skills. We might even, <laughs> we might even stand in front of the mirror and practice saying nice things right. to the yeah. people we're inclined to spit in their face. And, and, and we try to find some way of uh, getting past the, the conflict by increasing our knowledge and skills. And guess what? It isn't. It doesn't no. work. Yeah. Because I guess the conflict isn't, the conflict is in you. Yes. So you're, but we're all doing this, not, I'm going to gain knowledge to go take care of this guy or skills to go communicate with the other when really we might be able to eliminate the conflict just in ourselves relatively quickly. Yeah. In fact, that's, that's where it really has to, to begin, or at least that's the most critical factor. I mean, let's, let's think about the people we know. Do we know anyone who's incredibly brilliant, knowledgeable, and very skilled? And do they ever do really stupid relationship things? Do they oh, ever yeah. say unkind things? Yeah. And, you know, think about the brightest, most capable people we know, and they seem to be just as vulnerable as the rest of us to, uh, to making those mistakes. And, um, and so our argument is what's missing is the heart part. If our... If our minds are okay and our skills are there, but our hearts aren't right, then then it's just not going to work. And this is the program you've got at U of A, uh, University of Arkansas, um, Getting Our Hearts Right, Three Keys yes. to Better Relationships. Exactly. And, and actually, let's just make this clear. Anybody that wants to can go get your entire workbook on this. Absolutely free. Free of charge. You just yeah, go that's how to we make so much money, Matt. I know you, you're. That's how. That's how come you're so happy. Yeah, because you're just why. giving everything away. <laughs> and and it's why I'm uh, so rich is because we that's give right. it all away. That's right. Yeah. It keeps that's you humble. Right. But, you, but this, so where uh, do they go just to get it? As we keep talking about it, you know, if a person goes to um, AR for Arkansas, arfamilies.org, They'll find that uh, they can click on Family Life, and from there they can click on Getting Our Hearts Right. Beautiful. And, and you put this together. This ha- I can, Your hands are all over this. I can see it. <laughs> yeah, you know, we're really trying to get to core issues. We're really trying to get behind all the assumptions and the, and the babble that's so common and say, okay, what really works? But, of course, there's another part, which is what research says. Research has made some fascinating discoveries, and I think we're going to talk in a few minutes about some of those biases, get yeah. more specific about them. And, um, and so research, and then, you know, uh, we all have the laboratory of our own lives, and I think that's where we take what research says and make it real and make it practical, because we've all, we've all yeah. said stupid things. Oh. We've all made a war when we didn't need one. We've all been thoughtless and careless. I... I... 
the, I love that. I mean, oh, that's Holmes that's life. Yeah. Well, ex- well. Uh, hello. That was my ride here. That was one <laughs> crazy drive. Um, let's get into some of the 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 human biases. The, I mean, these are they're universal and in the in the in the research they use really big terms but um yeah. everybody i think every one of these we go over your people are going to relate to so yeah, so I, what's the first bias that pretty much most humans are carrying you know what what we um what we found is that there are probably 9 or 10 clearly identified but we we limited that down to about 7 just to be practical and there's mm-hmm. kind of some overlap but the first one is egocentrism that that tendency to to frame the entire world through our own experience and our own needs, egocentrism. And, yeah. and you know, Matt, we're born with, with, with buckets of it. I mean, we love little babies, but the fact is a baby does not arrive in this world saying, wow, you guys have been stressed. Is there anything I could do to help you out? <laughs> Can I help? Can, can someone <laughs> change me and then I'll start helping? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. A, a baby says, I don't care what you've been through. I'm going to torture you until you yeah. take care of me. Nothing else in this world matters. You've got to take care of me. Now, if a person's saying that decades later, then the appropriate growth hasn't happened. And and all of us do to a greater or lesser extent. We're still saying, hey, let's all gather around and take care of me and my needs, make sure I get exactly what I want, and uh, then we'll worry about others. Yeah. Well, isn't that the core to most relationship issues? Like, that's when they start keeping score. Oh, boy. When are you going to take care of my needs? I mean, what, what about me? I mean, sh- every, how many times have you heard somebody, I know you've gone through this. I know you've seen this, Wally, yeah. where someone will say, okay, let's just listen to your husband's complaint. And the husband's complaint is like, I just don't feel like you care about me. You, you never yeah. you never take care of me. And she's like, what about my needs? And she gets into her needs oh, or vice boy. versa. And on it goes as each person um, privileges their concerns and you know what's what's rare and extraordinary is when you find, well, I'll just say it, a Nancy, a Nancy, a person mm-hmm. who is very tuned. Uh, my dear wife is always trying to be aware of and sensitive to the needs of others, and it's just it's just embarrassing. I mean, she just she just <laughs> breaks the mold. She does, and that that's you said you said that's embarrassing, but it's 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 embarrassing to you when you're coming towards Nancy as an egocentric. Amen. You Is that what you're saying? Yeah. yeah, I mean, I come to her. Um, I mean, that's my life. Wanting to, wanting to, to um, tell her how she needs to change to take care of my needs, and she's, oh, well, I'll work on that. And I think, you know, Wally, <laughs> uh, you are just being a little snob. You're a loser. <laughs> then, you, then, then I guess that'll be another one. Another one where you turn on yourself uh, and you start beating yourself up. In fact, there's this statement that I think captures what some of us do. It's, a, it's attributed to Tom Ryan. Reportedly, he said, um, I, was, I was polishing my trophies the other day, and I happened to catch my reflection, and gee, it's easy to see why women are crazy about me. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, wow. <laughs> I'll, bet, uh, I'll bet people would love to be married to Tom Ryan if that's yeah. the attitude. It's amazing that he could point three things out about how special he was in one sentence. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's a great quote. You know, there's a, there's a new book uh, out called Generation Me, mm-hmm. and one of the things we recognize is that um, is that one of the side effects of the self esteem movement is people have become more um, more narcissistic than ever in the history recorded history of the world. Oh yeah, that it's all about me. Isn't and, that uh, true? And so, um, 
that's that's one of the challenges is that in some ways we give cultural endorsement to the idea of egocentrism, yep. and we think it's justified, appropriate, and necessary for people who are stars and heroes. We want to be stars and heroes, so we want the whole world around us to focus on us. <laughs> and it's like you deserve it. You, yeah, yeah. you don't, you, you don't, it, it's almost become a need, huh? That <laughs> you need to be put on a pedestal with trophies so that you could see your beautiful image. Yes. And yet it's not a need. Uh, back in the day when we had, you know, just the agrarian culture, hey, your self-esteem came from the fact that you knew how to grow an entire, you know, you could, you could grow corn. Yeah. You could, you could <laughs> chew your horses. You know, you just... You just nailed it, because what the research says is exactly that, which is that as long as we try to develop self-esteem directly, what we get is narcissism. But when we first get people working to be productive, to use their talents, to use their abilities in productive, growth-demanding ways, then self-esteem grows with it. It is the outcome, not the cause of productivity. Oh, my heavens. That is such a great point. The, the mere factor after self-esteem is self-centric. Yes. I mean, it, does, right. it doesn't diminish the fact that people need it, but you don't grow it by focusing on it. You grow it by serving uh, others. Yes. Love and that. of course, I, I like to, I'm, I'm sorry to be picking on Nancy, but um, I, I think what she does that I really admire is uh, for her, it's, she's at peace with herself. But she doesn't want to talk about herself. <sighs> she wants to, you know, when we go to a program or something, and they say, would you like to sit on the stand? She says, no, I wouldn't, thank you. Yeah. And she just looks around and finds somebody who looks uh, maybe lonely or tender, and she sits by him. And before the program's over, she's just best friends with them. Oh, man. And, and so I love Nancy. higher than self-love is uh, self-forgetfulness, mm-hmm. where it's not all about me. Instead of, uh, instead of thinking less of ourselves, we think less about ourselves. Oh. That's it. See, you know what is so amazing right here? You, we're done. You're amazing. No, but we've already gone our first segment. Oh, we're over, huh? We're through our first segment. So okay. we're, we're talking to Wally Goddard. When we come back, Wally's going to teach us the other six, and he's got to hurry because we also have to get to the tools, the solutions. Oh, yeah. Wally Goddard, Dr. Wally Goddard from the Extension at the University of Arkansas. We'll be back. This is the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. We talk about NASA spinoffs a lot here, but today we're really spinning some hardware that could cure deadly diseases. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories behind the ideas that shape our future. Human insulin for diabetics and the vaccine against hepatitis B are grown in artificial incubators called bioreactors, and they save lives the world over. But more cures and medicines might be made in bioreactors, except that they don't perfectly mimic certain aspects of the world. Some bioreactor-bound drug candidates have a tough time forming properly in an immobile, fixed platform of typical reactors. They need conditions like microgravity to attain their true three-dimensional structure. Low gravity is available in space, of course, but that can be expensive. So, some engineers taking inspiration from an electric drill built prototype spinning bioreactors. 
and enlisted NASA's support to test the device's value for tissue engineering. The slow tumble of the liquid inside feels like zero-G to the developing crystals or proteins. In 1990, the researchers licensed patents for the rotating wall bioreactor technology and founded a company called Synthicon to commercialize the device. The prototype led to rotary cell culture systems that have since become key tools for medical research. Drug companies use these systems to test new medicines, ones that might cure, say, dizziness? Maybe. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. Welcome to 1962 in a town called Granite Flats where everyone is friendly and everything is normal. Almost. There are things that need to stay secret. You ever seen anything like this? Oh, sir, it's pretty space age. She thought it was aliens. Yes, she did. Holy cow. Demon. Don't go getting paranoid on me, Johnny Sanders. Watch an all-new episode of Granite Flats this Sunday at 6 Eastern, 4 Mountain on BYU-TV. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. We're talking about conflict and our, and our stinking thinking, how our brain sometimes sets us up. To, uh, to fail in our relationships. We're talking with Dr. Wally Goddard, Professor of Family Life for the University of Arkansas Cooperative Extension Service, and he has put together a wonderful um, tool that we're looking at here called Getting Our Hearts Right, Three Keys to Better Relationships. Um, and, and a lot of the keys are just simply, hey, instead of being so focused on you, Maybe, and instead of trying to like learn the knowledge that you need and the skills you need to go fix someone else in a, in a relationship, what if you could just change your heart? So Wally's working with us to help us figure out how we can change our heart. He's already talked about one of our fundamental kind of biases is this egocentrism, right? This, this focus, Wally, that we're kind of always reflecting back on what's good for us. Yeah, we see the whole world through the lens of ourselves and our own needs, how things impact us. What's the next one? Next one is what we call fundamental attribution bias. And uh, that fancy name just simply says that when we uh, ourselves uh, make some mistake, we excuse it because, after all, we're under pressure and yeah. lots of demands. Well, we know our intent. Yes, exactly. We know our motives. When, when, and we also know our circumstances. Exactly. When somebody else does exactly the same thing, <laughs> we attribute it to bad character. Yeah. They're just lazy or disorganized or uncommitted or whatever it is. So, for instance, if my desk is messy, I say, well, you know, I'm just doing so many things. I'm so involved. However, if I were to see your desk as messy, I would say, oh, Matt, I guess uh, you don't quite have it all together, do you? Someone's sloppy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Let's put a picture up of your desk, shall we? No, I had a guy do that. He came to fix my air conditioner, and it was so covered with weeds, he took a picture of it and wanted it for his website. Oh, no. I'm like, that's famous. rude. <laughs> Meanwhile, I was trying to teach him character in another program. <laughs> Isn't that funny, though? But, yeah, he oh, he yeah. can see mine, and I see his airs. But it really is. We So we always favor our uh, our story tends to be we're kind of saintly. Everyone else just lacks character. And it's not surprising that, you know, I mean, we, we know our circumstances, but yeah. we know other people's. So when we have to explain someone else's failings or misbehavior, we chalk it up to character. Mm. With our own, we naturally excuse it. So it's an understandable bias. There's no, no sure. it, it's obvious why it happens. Well, plus we're better than most people. 
<laughs> and you, we see it in traffic, don't we? Yeah, exactly. If we're rushing a little bit or cutting in traffic, it's because we're just so important and have to get somewhere. If someone else does it, they're careless, reckless, etc. Well, and that, there's the studies about how everybody thinks that they are in the top like 3% of drivers or whatever. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, I guess well, that's actually another, that's probably a confirmation bias, isn't it? We'll get into <laughs> well, that. And, and one, of, one of the things that uh, Jonathan Haidt, the great psychologist, says is he says our inner lawyer, our inner defense lawyer is always excusing us and condemning others. Uh-huh. So we have this little attorney on retainer who's always standing ready to say, oh, boy, that wasn't your fault. That was that other. Yes. That was that idiot who did that. It's his fault or her fault. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> oh, this and the, but now, for all the listeners, this is normal. Yeah, it's common. It's universal. It's the way humans are wired, and, and, and thus uh, we we can go along with that natural wiring, or we can uh, we can work against that and try to move ourselves to a higher standard. Yeah, love it. Okay, so there's the first two. What's the third bias? Third one is what uh, what Height calls naive realism. Naive realism, and and the simplest way to say that is okay. We look around. We say. Um, we say, okay, so-and-so kind of gets it, but I can see how they have a bias. After all, their parents belong to this political party, oh. <laughs> and, and they uh, obviously don't have quite as much experience, and they don't read the right things like I do. Mm-hmm. And so the bottom line is, it's just as plain as day that everyone is influenced by, by bias and self-interest, except for me. I see things as they really are. Oh, interesting. And that's, that's... naive realism, which which uh, some psychologists call the biggest obstacle to world peace and social harmony. When we think that we're the ones who get it right and nobody else really does, you can see how that creates... Well, I, I mean, I hope it's not too painful for anyone, but let's think about the Middle East. Oh, yeah. There, there are good concerns on both sides. Oh, absolutely. That, uh, that misunderstanding, that continuing decades-long battle. And, um, and, and so each side is so tuned to their own concerns and so sure that the other side is biased. Mm. And the fact is, both sides are biased. Exactly. Both sides have good points, and both sides are biased. Which is why a neutral party would be great if we could go in and mediate that, but then most parties that would go in and mediate are biased. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Right? Maybe we need to send Nancy. Let's send Nancy. (laughs) Maybe that's the hope. Oh, can I go to Israel with Nancy? (laughs) That would be great. Let's go. That would be a great trip, for real. (laughs) That's cool. So that's naive realism, and that's just simply the idea. Everyone is convinced that everyone else, they get it, and everyone else is kind of messed up. Yes. Hmm. We see the bias in others. You can see how that's kind of like fundamental attribution bias. We can see the bias in others. Our own bias is transparent to us. We're unaware of those distortions in our own thinking. Yeah. Wow. You're you're hitting right to the core (laughs) of humans. This won't apply as much to machines, but it, yeah. if anyone who's a human, yeah, it's, it ought to hit close to home. My vacuum doesn't have any of these problems. <laughs> just me. I'd like to meet your vacuum. My vacuum's the greatest really? thing. We just put him in the closet Real. and nobody talks to him. It, don't you wish that if we could be more like that? And that's kind of what I guess science pretends to be, huh? Yes. Science yes. pretends to be unbiased and undaunted by all of these errors, but fundamental attribution error could be a scientific problem as well. I mean, a lot of these biases yeah. are part of ruining the science model. 
And of, and of course, what science tries to do is say, well, we don't believe it until they're replications mm. and until it's done with different groups, different ways, different times. Yeah. And, and so the, science has made some pretty stupid mistakes along, along the way, but I, I think we're closing in on some things that are uh, verified not only by multiple tests, but by our own experience. Exactly. Yeah. Powerful. Except for your vacuum cleaner. Exactly. <laughs> Give us the next one. What's the next bias? You know... One of the most popular emotions in America is anger. As uh, psychologists say, we, as Americans, like to be indignant. We like to be mad about what, uh, what went awry or what people have done that's just not okay. But the, the, the recognition in science is that anger narrows and blinds us. And there are really two parts to that. When we're angry about something, we really focus and narrow our attention. Hmm. And that's really good if you're being attacked by a yes, sure. tiger. You don't need to be planning, you know, your schedule next week if you're going to be lunch today. Yeah, let's get this taken care of. Then we'll worry about the, the party tomorrow. Exactly. So anger narrows us. It, it shuts down all our awareness of the environment around us and focuses us on whatever it is we're angry about. Now, if you happen to be angry at your spouse, you can imagine that that may not be very helpful. Mm. If you fail to see the rest of the history and the rest of the person and the rest of their message, yikes. Yeah, you just totally. shut out some of the most important information for solving the problem. But you combine that with its companion, which is not only does it narrow our view, but it blinds us in terms of compassion. Our compassion shuts down when, uh, when we are angry. We stop being able to say, Hmm, I wonder what that person's feeling. I wonder about what their life is like right now. So anger may be very useful for dealing with uh, saber-toothed tigers and, yeah. and threats, any direct attack. But when we start experiencing the normal people in our lives through through anger, then we probably have damaged our ability to solve problems. We're losing. We're losing a a ton of data. The yes. anger itself. Uh, what is? Oh, there's a great quote that says, um, "Emotion hijacks meaning." Oh, <laughs> don't you love that? Wow, I'm gonna have to write that down. Yeah, huh? I can't remember who said it, but it's really good. Yeah, uh, emotion. emotion hijacks meaning because it does. It, it blinds us. It blinds our compassion, and it narrows the vision. Is what you're saying. That those are beautiful, and that yeah, really, really is the source on, of conflict. Yeah, it focuses on an offense, and and just as a side note. Research shows that there's a fivefold increase in heart problems for those who don't deal with their anger. So while Hollywood may say that anger is the great motivator that really uh, gets people to motivate others by, you know, just really spouting anger, the research says something very different from that. Oh, wow. Um, you won't believe this, Wally, but we've gone another segment. Oh, no. I know, but you're so fascinating. <laughs> Boy. But let me just I'm... tell you what we're going to do for sure. Okay. No matter what, let's get through the biases, and, but then, uh, and then we can start uh, your the three keys um, to solve the bias. But I, we're for sure going to have you back and spend three whole blocks on those three keys. Great. Because I have a feeling there is some serious meat on those those little babies. There's a lot there. Good stuff. We're talking to Dr. Wally Goddard, just likes to be called Wally, and uh, who's got an incredible wife, Nancy, and I hope she's listening. Um, 
We're talking about how to kind of get rid of this, the, the biases, these, these tendencies we have as humans that blind us and keep us from healthier relationships, healthier conflict management. We're going to take a break. We'll be back with him right after this on the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Intellectual uh, exploration on what it means to party. <laughs> Join the party on Through the Garage Door, only on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. KBYU FM, HD2 Provo. This is Sam McCall for Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. President Obama has chosen new acting IRS chief just a day after the job was vacated in the midst of a scandal. The president says he will do everything in his power to stop unfair discrimination by the IRS. Even with the president's promise, Tea Party groups who were the targets of IRS discrimination are rallying against him once again. Former Republican presidential candidate Michelle Bachman is raising concerns about future bias when the IRS takes over handling new health care reforms. Several suspected or known terrorists who were in the witness security program have gone missing after the Department of Justice failed to properly put their names on do-not-fly lists. The mistake highlights some potential issues with national security protocols. Hail the size of softballs accompanied deadly tornadoes which tore through parts of southern Texas last night. At least six people lost their lives and dozens more were wounded in the storms. Numerous leading colleges in the U.S. are offering discount prices on fall classes as enrollment numbers are coming in short, according to Forbes. With an ever-expanding higher education market, colleges have to compete more than ever for students. Over 5,700 runners who were not able to finish the Boston Marathon due to the tragic bombing are being invited back to finish the race next year. Praise for the decision has spread broadly via social media. In world news, smuggling from Egypt to to the Gaza Strip has taken a crispy turn. Palestinians in the Gaza region have latched on to the deep-fried taste of Kentucky Fried Chicken and are willing to pay close to $30 to get their hands on a bucket, which has to be snuck into the area through underground tunnels. British native and legendary soccer player David Beckham is calling it quits after this season. Beckham said in a statement today he wants to retire while he's still playing at the highest level. That's the news to the top of the hour. For BYU Radio, I'm Sam McCall. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. We're talking to Dr. Wally Goddard. Have him on the phone. And uh, he is walking us through something that we all deal with when it comes to our problems in relationships and even life, which are just these basic human biases, these uh, these perceptions we have. And we don't even know we have them, but they have such an impact on us. He's talked about anger and the, the impact it has on us, uh, some of these errors where we kind of excuse everything we do and we we just make a bigger deal and question everyone else's character but he's walking us through these um i think we've got three left wally well um yeah should we talk about confirmation bias? let's do that one okay confirmation bias is really that distortion where we tend to look for and value and remember information that agrees with what we already believe whereas we scrutinize and criticize and reject information that uh, disagrees so whether it's politics or religion family battles workplace misunderstandings 
we all tend to look for uh, information that proves we were right. Yes. I, I don't know if you heard it, but I did that when my son was singing in the music uh, choir last night, the, his madrigal choir. I always think that he doesn't know how to take care of, like, he doesn't know how to dress properly. So I looked for every error in his dressing. <laughs> and basically and everyone, everyone around me is like, why don't you just enjoy your son's music? <laughs> well, I would if he rolled his sleeves up. Everyone else has their sleeves up. Yeah. But that's yeah. A, that's a bias, isn't it? Well, think about the mischief that caused in, during our election year. Oh, yeah. And, and and this will be painful for some people, but I think it's spot on where some psychologists say, if you want to be wise, if you want to be wise, then you need to seek out and listen to your enemies, the people with whom you disagree. Mm-hmm. Now, that doesn't mean you have to agree with them, but to understand the other position and understand what value it has is essential for being balanced. And I think as humans... We don't tend to do that very well. Once we've made up our minds, then we just go looking for evidence. We'd rather be, uh, you know, we'd, we'd rather be right than be wise. That's right. And, and in looking for the evidence that corroborates our view, we end up overlooking 90 other percent of the data. Yes. Which yes. could be helpful to you also. Is what yeah, you're some saying. people call it hardening of the categories. <laughs> we've made up our minds, and uh, doggone it. That is such a great metaphor. We just don't want to learn anything more. Oh, and that is the political process, isn't it, really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we do that a lot in, in our, in our uh, well, uncivil discourse. Yeah, uncivil is the perfect word for that. And confirmation bias in, in an argument or in just a discussion with your spouse is, I guess that's where you become like a negative interpreter, too. You're only finding the things your spouse is doing wrong. Yes. Or that and, you're, yeah, and you, don't, you, you miss everything else. We look for a theory of why they do what they do, and then we see plenty of evidence for it. It even can lead to what we call hypervigilance, where you really, well, like you were talking about, you look for any faults in your son's wardrobe. Yeah. And if you look hard enough, you're going to find it, even among the very best. And well, so it's that. In every wardrobe. In my heart. wardrobe, we would find it, right? I mean, it's, <laughs> yeah. we, I, but I don't look at my wardrobe errors. I just look at his. <laughs> yeah, and that's a. <sighs> That's one of those distortions in thinking, isn't it? Yeah, totally. The next one is unreliable memories. Yeah, we often think of memory as like a camera, and it takes a picture. And as long as we don't have a crash on our hard drive, that picture is going to stay exactly the same. What we don't recognize is that human minds don't work that way. They, they, in fact, record some kind of image. But every time that image is reopened, we Photoshop it, we change it, we modify it in ways that add new information. It's why when we go to a family reunion and say, you know, you know, you remember when old so-and-so did such and such? Then everybody says, that's not what happened. Yeah. Well, at least many people will say that's not what happened. And the, and the war is on because each person has photoshopped their memories in different directions. And so what we have is something that's hardly recognizable as being related to what someone else remembers. Mm. What's the, I mean, you know, what's the downside in making up your own history? I mean, it seems like a lot of people do it, like a lot of people in jail, a yeah, lot of and- people in politics. Yeah, and we, we, for instance, uh, Pete, when we think we have been wronged, we start to emphasize their error while forgetting our own. Mm-hmm. And pretty soon we were just completely innocent. But but I'd like to key on one thing you said there, Matt. Imagine what a wonderful blessing this is, as well as a cursing. Sure. It's a cursing when we use our bad memory to blame others. It's a blessing when we use it to forgive others. Oh, beautiful. Or heal, yeah. free. 
because we can say, you know, um, I'll bet they were doing the best they know how. Like, for instance, none of us have perfect parents who who raised us. Right. So we can be mad about that for a lifetime. And we're justified. Heck, they messed up. Oh, yeah. Look at me. Or we can forgive them. We uh-huh. can say, you know, I remember the good times. I remember when they did this. And they even start to glow a little bit more as time goes on if we choose to allow them to glow. And it seems like this is where a lot of these um, these these distortions would play on each other. Because... If I have a negative memory, I can turn it angry, and that anger would keep me from healing it and keep me kind of reinventing it (laughs) uglier and uglier. Boy, they all work together, don't they? Isn't that beautiful? It's like like they're meant to go together. Oh, man, it makes you want to be a vacuum cleaner. It's really interesting, isn't it? Because it seems like we're not really about accuracy here. Yes. We're just about, I guess, survival. Well, and and, uh, the metaphors that some psychologists use uh, are familiar ones to our culture. They are things like, we all see through a glass darkly, or we're unable to remove the splinter in someone else's eye because our own is filled Mm -hmm. with a a vast beam, you know, a a glue lamb beam that blocks our vision. And psychologists uh, relish that metaphor because it's about as apt a one as there is that we just can't see rightly because our our own vision is so badly distorted. Mm. And this is so destructive to to actually creating a peaceful, loving life. Yes. I mean, I guess it keeps us feeling safe because, you know, the problems are never ours. The, the realities are never real. We don't have to worry about everything. But it also keeps us from forgiving and from yeah. having peace. And, and it leads us to the conclusion that this world's a pretty hostile place, mm. that, that nobody quite understands or appreciates me. And uh, it leads to that, boy, sometime we ought to talk about uh, the research on fear, because we as a human group tend to emphasize all the things that are threatening, which could be adaptive, but yeah. uh, some conclude that this is the best time ever to be alive. Oh, for sure. And yet, we, yet our levels of anxiety may be at record levels. So think about that paradox. That's true. I get, and we too, we know more than, I mean, think of the years of the plague. <laughs> I oh, mean, yeah, this yeah. is a good time. And villages going over and slaughtering each other. I mean, oh. That yeah. doesn't happen so much anymore. Nah, we're pretty much, I mean, we, yeah, we just do it. We yeah. take a football game. Exactly, exactly. So this, all of these merge, I guess, in the last one, which is just the negativity bias. We tend to be overwhelmed and, and only see the, bi- the, the negative things. Yeah, and they tend to hold a larger place in our memories than they deserve. Um, and so, for instance, let's imagine you're on your way to work and something crazy happens in traffic. Guess what you're going to remember you're going to remember that negative experience oh, yeah. because it just takes over way more psychological space than it deserves. And that's that's the negativity bias. You know, it's true. We had our wedding for my daughter and I was we were all kind of frustrated because we weren't able to get as many people through the line as we wanted to. Oh, yeah. And when we left, it was a beautiful evening. It was a beautiful day. The most incredible thing. But what has stuck in my head is how frustrated I was not being able to get more people through the line. And like, yeah, I feel like I disappointed yeah. people. Yeah, and, and that negativity bias will keep all those uh, saddest moments um, in, at the front of our memories. Yeah. Do we have time for a story? Yeah, please. No, you know what? I've decided if you can do it, I'd like to just carry you through the last break. I, boy, I'm glad to. I want. In fact, I might even do a three-hour show today if everyone else is okay with it. Well, I guess they'll be mad. <laughs> but I'm gonna. We're having you back, Wally, for sure, because I want to get into all these points. So, yeah, where do you want to go? 
Well, the story that I had in mind is a couple of friends of ours, Gene and Sylvia Jones, and and uh, I have their permission to tell a story about when Gene in one era was coming home and he was frustrated and say, Sylvia, how come the house, kids haven't cleaned the house? How come they haven't done their chores? How come dinner isn't ready? And this went on for a while until Sylvia got irritated and she said, Gene, you have faults too. And he said, well, I know, but they don't bother me like yours do. <laughs> Now, that, in my mind, is a single story that captures about oh, as well as beautiful. any the continuing problem that we humans have yeah. of, um, well, you, you know, we tend to forgive or set aside our own uh, failings as humans, but boy, the the people around us, they are just giant size, bigger than life itself. Isn't that funny? That is just, it's so, it's so, we're so naive to it. That's the naive <laughs> yeah, realism. That's right. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah. So there are the seven biases. Again, negativity, unreliable memories, confirmation bias, anger, naive realism, fundamental attribution error, and egocentrism. These are all in this workbook that and this program you've got at uh, the University of Arkansas Extension. And yep. they all they have to do is go to arfamilies.org. And they can get all the information about that. You've just basically described the problem. Yes. Um, so everyone should go to arfamilies.org, and you can get all of that. Now, let's get into the solution. Great. What how, Normally you say what most—and this, I mean, I do this. This is what we do. We work on giving people knowledge, like we're doing right now, and yes. skills for how to fix— these would actually be working on us, but normally we give them skills to work on others— and how to deal with others and handle others. But you're saying maybe there's more to actually changing something than knowledge and skills. Absolutely. And we say that's getting our hearts right. When our intentions are right, when we're soft, when we're open to others, something really, uh, well, magical happens. And and we identified three keys based on, and, and we're kind of leading a charge here. We're not, uh, we don't see that a lot of people have have explored just how to put the solutions together. But yeah. as we read the research, we came up with three things. The first is that humility humility opens our hearts. And humility is starting to get its uh, its just attention, I think. It, it has in psychology been the, uh, the poor stepchild that uh, kind of got <laughs> neglected. Well, yeah, it's almost like it just seems like this kind of a religious principle that doesn't – I mean, everyone knows it's good, but it's not really productive. Yeah, and, and yet, if we want to connect two different lives together, one or the other or both have got to say, I want to be open to who you are and what you believe and how things make sense to you. Mm. And my, one of my favorite stories is, uh, I just love Steve Covey, and he told the story years ago about when he and his wife, Sandra, were at odds about what kind of uh, refrigerator to buy. Yeah. And Sandra was just stuck. She wanted a Frigidaire, and he said, honey, that's not what... Consumer Reports recommends, and they went around and around. It wasn't until a quiet moment together when Sandra started to tell a story from her childhood and said, you know, when we were young, Dad was a school teacher, and he opened an appliance business to try to have enough money to feed us. And and, and none of the manufacturers would front the, the inventory to Dad except, guess who? Frigidaire. Frigidaire. And Frigidaire would, and she said, I remember Dad saying, oh, I'm so grateful to those people. So, so here... Decades later, Sandra's saying, I want to get a Frigidaire. That's yeah. what I like. I love Frigidaires. I just think they're better. And and nothing Consumer Reports can say will change that because mm-hmm. there's a deep sea. But 
but the one of the great, I think, learnings from the story is it wasn't until both were humble and peaceful and able to hear each other that that could, story could emerge. It was always there. Yeah. But it can't emerge when we're attacking each other and complaining and 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 uh, and pointing fingers at each other. It's only when we're peaceful that finally humility opens our hearts. Well, and the richness of that. So, I mean, that's not even buying a fridge anymore. I mean, now you know this profound point of, you know, a, a powerful point about your wife. And it's going to change everything we do. It's going to even yeah, change the next yeah. time you buy a fridge or when you look at, go to your kids' homes. I mean, it's profound. Yeah, and, and boy, when we, when we do listen to each other's stories, when we really listen, listen with our minds and hearts, then we, we come to be more appreciative, more close, more, more intimate, more mm-hmm. caring, because we have opened ourselves up to another human being and their story. And that's simply the opening up to humility. Yes. By the way, if, if if you listen to all of those biases we have, it should be humbling. I mean, the, the <laughs> irony of being a human is we should be very humbled because we know very little. You know, you're a smart guy, Matt, because <laughs> what the research says is there are two keys to really getting to humility. One is to to recognize your own bias, and then... The second one is sometimes a surprise. It is to recognize the weakness in your own logic chain. Mm. The way to get to humility is not to try to argue on behalf of someone else's no. case, which which we don't resonate to. It's to recognize, you know, there's some imperfections in my argument, in my case that I have built against the world. And when we do that in the context of recognizing bias, it opens us up to really hearing and understanding other people's point of view. Love that. It's so good. Man, yes, doesn't it? it's like you know what you're talking about, Wally. <laughs> Have you done this before? <laughs> well, you know I love this subject, Matt. I know you do, and you're good at it. We're going to take a break, Wally. We're going to come back, and we'll get into the other two points to open our hearts. Getting our hearts open, that's what this is about, folks. It's not just the beatdown of how messed up our brains are. There's a lot of good also. The humility is the first key to opening our hearts. We'll be back with Wally Goddard right here on the Matt Townsend Show on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Advanced robot designs compete for a cool $2 million in the latest DARPA challenge. This is Innovation Now, bringing you stories behind the ideas that shape our future. The Defense Advanced Research Projects Agency, called DARPA, conducts and supports all manner of cutting-edge innovation, not only for defense fields, but for civilian-related technology as well. Their previous robotic car challenge catapulted that technology many years forward. Now comes the next robotics challenge, with $2 million as the prize. Robotic hardware will have to negotiate an obstacle course, simulating a disaster scene at a refinery or power plant, going where humans can't, while using tools and vehicles originally designed for people. The bots must drive a jeep through the site, negotiating rubble, stairs, and ladders, using a tool to cut through an obstacle and hook up a cable or hose. Many of the designs being entered are humanoid-shaped. To make these tasks easier, DARPA is loaning some pre-built chassis and software for those teams needing some help. A parallel competition will run for virtual model robots to push the state-of-the-art in robot programming so those who can't bring hardware to the challenge are bringing their best programming skills. The challenge kicked off last fall and runs through December 2014. For Innovation Now, this is Buddy Rubino. Innovation Now is produced by the National Institute of Aerospace through collaboration with NASA and is distributed by WHRV. 
Visit us online at innovationnow.us. Welcome back, friends, to the Matt Townsend Show. Today we are talking about um, opening our hearts up, how to quit uh, falling into the traps that, that seem to catch us, the traps that we don't even know are going on, all of these thoughts and these ways of thinking that, uh, that mess us up a little bit. We're talking to Dr. Wally Goddard, Professor of Family Life for the University of Arkansas Cooperative Extension Service. He's put together a wonderful program about getting our hearts right, Three Keys to Better Relationships. And uh, if you want a free copy of it, it is a pretty beefy, robust program. All you got to do is go to arfamilies.org. It's free. You can yeah, read. There's nothing we're selling afterwards. You and there's not, yeah, you're not even going to be upsold, are you? No, we're just saying, hey, is there, if there's any way we can take what research has discovered and share it with you, which you'd like to. You're, it's, it's good. That's goodwill. And that is um, the University of Arkansas Extension Services and Wally Goddard um, have put that together. So, Wally, give us some more points to opening up the heart. The second, the second key of our three is uh, compassion. Well, humility opens our heart. We say that compassion connects our hearts. And, and I guess, Matt, the experience I had that teaches, th- taught me best was some years ago when our kindergarten-age daughter and her good friend went running to the playground. And as they got to the street, our daughter Emily stopped, and her friend did not. She ran into the crosswalk and was hit by a passing car. Oh. And, and the good news is that the car was traveling slowly and, and hit the skids before he hit uh, Emily's friend, but he couldn't get stopped, and she flew some distance and skidded to a painful stop. Now, on some level, we might say, well, okay, so set up the little orange cones around her body, put her in timeout, and tell her she needs to reflect on the stupidity of not listening to the good counsel she's gotten. Right. Is that compassion, Matt? Not. Not. That's not compassion. Compassion says, you know, you may have made mistakes, you may be at fault, but when someone else is suffering, I suffer with you. Mm. That's and you know maybe the most famous story in our culture is that of the Good Samaritan. Yeah, it's not about whether you were stupid to go from Jerusalem to Jericho by yourself. It's about you're hurting, and because I um, want to be a healer, I want to minister to your pain. Well, and how and many times, nice. Wally? How many times is there an accident like in a community just like that, and the parents get angry? And they start trying to fix it and blaming the schools. And everyone just starts coming out in all of these errors, thinking errors we've been talking about, instead of going to compassion. And we fill up our courts with people arguing about stuff that when it's all done, everyone will be poor and nobody will be happier. Mm -hmm. We cannot practice hatred and vengeance and come out feeling peaceful. The idea of closure after conflict is, um, well, I hate to say foolhardy, but it sur- certainly is ill-informed. It's, it's interesting. So we go for closure, uh, thinking that by fighting it out, talking it out, being angry, suing, getting them to court, that'll bring the peace. Yeah, and of course, each person thinks, or each party thinks they have the stronger case, Yeah, because they have bias. And so they go to court, and uh, in the end, both parties really lose, because they lose a lot of money, and one of them also loses their hopes and dreams, but they go away still bitter, thinking they were right and they got cheated. So, wow, it's a really great system, isn't it? (laughs) The the key to then getting our heart in is being humble and open, teachable, recognizing our bias, and then allowing kind of the spirit of 
compassion, this feeling that if someone's suffering, I need to, I, I need to be there to suffer with them. Yes, to be a healer, mm-hmm. to see pain and to respond to that in a human way. When, when that little girl is lying in the street having been hit by a car, we don't set up orange cones. We don't talk to her about consequences. We say, oh, honey, how can we help? And yeah. we send for a damp washcloth to wipe those wounds, and we send for family, and we send for appropriate medical help, and we offer every word of comfort that's in our souls. That's what we do when somebody's injured. That's what we should do in our relationships. When this, someone's suffering... We don't need to club them um, with mm. an oar. We need to pull them into the boat. And it seems like at times we know that, and yet we still have this compelling need to, like, let me now teach you the lesson. <laughs> we do, don't we? Oh, what we is our just, deal? We just have to pound them. Yeah, that's because our heart. We just got to remember the heart is that we got to be healed. And the healing is letting, I guess, just suspending our need to do anything with it and just be there to serve. It's powerful. What's the third one, Wally? Third one. Third one is just so fascinating. For decades, the research on couple relationships looked at the kind of relationship, volatile, avoidant, or validating. And the assumption was one kind of relationship was far better than the others. And then I'm sure you know John Gottman came along and said, you know, let's test that idea. And he tested the idea and found that it didn't matter which kind of relationship. What mattered is the level of positivity, that when there are five positives for each negative, a relationship will be strong, vibrant, healthy, and enduring. And, And that's really what number three is about. <clears throat> positivity inspires our hearts. Positivity builds relationships. And and we can combine that with Sandra Murray's research. Sandra Murray found that in healthy, strong relationships, each partner sees qualities in their partner that no one else sees, even their closest friends and family members. Now, some would say, is it an illusion? And in fact, Sandra Murray calls it a positive illusion. We choose to see good. We even choose to, shall we say, stretch the truth in favor of goodness. Mm. And so positivity, it's not about objectivity, it's about positivity. Well, we're already stretching the truth. We just usually (laughs) stretch it negative, right? Perfect. We're we're already making them a negative person. You're just saying if you're going to stretch, you may as well stretch it positive. Exactly. Beautifully said. Man, why wouldn't we? Well, Instead of always pounding people with the worst possible interpretation, why don't we go looking for the good? Why don't we turn on the light of compassion and go looking for good intentions and earnest effort and people's uh, best qualities? And then let's shine the light on that and celebrate it wherever we see it. You know, I can. I think you're right on, and I can just imagine there's people out there thinking, well, this, yeah, that's all fluffy and good, but um, <laughs> in the end, the, we may not be able to do this, I guess, with everyone at first, but... In your marriage? Oh, boy. With your kids? I mean, why not try humility, compassion, and positivity? You've already tried, you know, self-righteousness, anger, frustration, negativity. Condescension. Yeah, condescension. And and let's imagine that uh, someone who's a doubter says, okay, I'd be willing to give it a 30-day test. I'm willing to set aside my usual complaining, judging, et cetera, et cetera. And for 30 days, I am going to be the best talent scout this world's ever known. And I believe that as soon as we start doing that, it really liberates the very best in our partner. Mm -hmm. And it becomes easy to do the very thing that we thought was going to be just a monumental labor. Yeah, because that does take the pressure off, doesn't it? Yep, yeah. And uh, so there's a challenge for everybody. Give it a 30-day test. Yes. Or more. I mean, 
I, I, yeah, we hope 30 days will lead to another 30. That's right. Well, the funny thing, we years. all believe in these, right? I mean, these when you go ask people, do you think you should be more humble in your relationships? Oh, for sure. <laughs> for sure I should. But it's doing it, isn't it? And that's why in the, the program we take the time to talk about the biases, because it all sounds good and it sounds like fluff. But if we have that little recognition reflex where we say, goodness gracious, I really, I do have that tendency to make those distortions, then we really have a springboard, I think, for saying, you know, I need to do something different. And maybe maybe a little humility, compassion, and positivity would help me out. Oh, I love it. Tell me, we've got about a minute left, Wally, and um, I want to leave the minute to you. Tell me, in your wisdom, oh, mighty one. <laughs> let, me, <laughs> let, me, let me share a story. Yes, Matt. do. A story about a family was driving along. A girl had a brand new driver's license, and she was so proud. And Dad's sitting in the passenger seat, hoping the family doesn't die. They're driving down the highway with the family in the back seat, and, and she hits this big curve in the highway, and she's not quite used to holding the steering wheel that long. And she runs off the road through the yard of a service station and plows over a Pennzoil sign. Mm. And the family sits in the back seat in embarrassed, awkward silence, thinking, oh, man, what's Dad going to say? You know, I never should have trusted you, et cetera, et cetera. But after a pause, he says, you know, as long as we're stopped here at the service station, does anybody need to use the restroom? I love it. You know, does anybody want a soft drink? I mean, <laughs> honey, you that... nailed that sign. That, I mean, you, you nailed it. That's cool. Uh, and when we have that softness in our souls, when we bring all of those things together and we get our hearts right, things start falling into place, Matt. Oh, totally. And, and the spirit's just right. Yep. It just feels right. And that's where the healing begins, huh, Wally? Amen. Amen, brother. Dr. <laughs> Wally Goddard, so, so appreciate you. Hey, everybody, go to arfamilies.org and go check out and, and get this. This is for your family. Go sit down once a week and talk to your family about this stuff. Just break it down into these sections. Good stuff. Wally Goddard, we love you. You are the best. Great to be with you, man. Good to be Thanks with you. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Folks, thanks for joining us. Remember, we want to help you see the good in the world. Life is good. People are inherently good. Uh, we all need to be better, though, and we can be if we just, uh, you know, humility and compassion. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be back tomorrow right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. On October 28, 2005, KBYU-FM was granted a license by the Federal Communications Commission to serve the public interest as a public trustee until October 1, 2013. Our license will expire on October 1, 2013. We must file an application for renewal with the FCC on or before June 3, 2013. When filed, a copy of this application will be available for public inspection during our regular business hours. It contains information concerning this station's performance during the last eight years. Individuals who wish to advise the FCC of facts relating to our renewal application and to whether this station has operated in the public interest should file comments and petitions with the FCC by September 3, 2013. Further information concerning the FCC's broadcast license renewal process is available at BYU Broadcasting, Brigham Young University, Provo, Utah, A4602, or may be obtained from the FCC, Washington, D.C., 20554.